Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And today we're going to talk about a video that we've seen recently online by the internet detective CoffeeZilla, uh, exposing or sort of raising questions about Tether. How are you this morning? You're muted. I'm doing fine here in Colorado. And uh, yeah, this uh, we saw this video and uh, by uh, Coffee Villa. It's very interesting. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it today. Yeah. Um, so I think that we should start off by just sort of addressing what Tether is. Um, it's a stable coin. So they say a USDT, that's the denomination of Tether, is equal to $1. And um, what you do is you trade dollars for Tether, and then you can trade Tether on the cryptocurrency exchange. And it's easier than doing sort of wire transfers out of your bank. You can sort of hold Tether in your accounts and use it to purchase various cryptos. Um, so as a result, Tether has become one of the largest cryptos in terms of size and the largest crypto, I believe, in terms of trading volume. Because people that are buying Bitcoin, people that are buying Ether or Litecoin, they're all um, they're all. Uh, you, can you finish this thought for me? Yeah, th yeah. They're using Tether. They're using Tether to make all the purchases and exchanges, and uh, so Tether has grown uh, to be huge in in size, and uh, so. They're, in, order to, in order to do that, they have to have an exchange. And so uh, Tether goes through uh, an exchange called Bitfinex. And then Coffee, CoffeeZilla uh, really is looking at uh, the relationship between uh, the Tether uh, stablecoin and how it is traded, how it is used to, to uh, buy, negotiate, uh, purchase, uh, however you want to do it, however you want to say it, through Bitfinex uh, to purchase different types of coins and different types of uh, exchanges. Mm -hmm. so Is I that accurate? Yeah, I think that's uh, close enough. So I guess the issue was that CoffeeZilla has is Tether when they started, and of course we want to say this is not investment advice, and we're just reacting to his video. We haven't done any independent reporting of our own. So the issue was when Tether started, they said, if you give us a dollar, we'll give you a tether. And then when you want your dollar back, we'll give you the dollar and we'll burn the tether. Uh, so I don't know exactly how they were planning on making money, maybe on a small transaction fee or something, but they were basically just providing liquidity to the market. So you could transact and tether instead of dollars and you could hold tethers on the market and they would all be equal to a dollar. Now, CoffeeZilla's uh, complaint is that they keep changing uh, the rules and regulations around their reserves. So they said these dollars will be in a bank account, that the balance will be published monthly and will be subject to regular audits. They've never had an audit. And then they've allowed companies to look into their bank account once or twice, and it seemed like there were some shenanigans going on right before the bank account was looked into and right after. Um, and then all of a sudden they said, well, we're not going to back it by a dollar. We're going to back it by uh, whatever we feel like, more or less. So that's, I, I wish I had the exact wording. But so now the majority or the near majority of it is commercial paper, which is IOUs. And who knows who those IOUs are to or from. 
So your tether, when you put in a dollar and you get a tether, it's not backed by a dollar. It's backed by an IOU to some company, and it's unsecured debt. So that's a little bit scary because $62 billion of tethers exist in the world. Yeah, and so here, what we're doing today is, again, I want to reiterate what you said, David, is that uh, we're not giving advice. And and also, I want to go in a step further. We don't really make any judgment about, uh, we're just talking about uh, what, what uh, we're just talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so we're not really trying to uh, uh, fall on one side or come on the other side, one side or the other. Uh, we're just talking about uh, the issues and we're talking about it and trying to understand how these things work and uh, understand coffee zealous perspective and maybe understand the other side as well mm -hmm. and so we're just trying to understand how this came about because it is something that is uh very big mm -hmm. uh and a lot of people it, it's affecting a lot of people and it, it can affect a lot of people's lives and so it's important to talk about yes so what is the what do you think the concern is about the fact that Tether's not really backed by dollars. I guess that was that was CoffeeZilla's claim, and it was sort of supported by the New York District Attorney, Letitia James, and then they required Tether to publish a pie chart of their assets, and that pie chart also sort of supported the fact that it's not backed by dollars. It's not backed one-to-one -one by a dollar. It's backed by a bunch of strange financial instruments that equal a dollar in the minds of the people that run Tether. So what do you think the, the dangers are of this? Well, from my perspective is that, uh, I, well, first I wanna say that I don't understand finances that much, that's not my area. But just looking on the outside in, I look at this and I say, okay, well, if I give them a dollar and I want a dollar back, uh, they might give me three cents. Uh, that dollar's worth three cents. And once they have a dollar, my dollars were three cents back to me mm -hmm. uh, because that's about all the cash they had. So they don't have the cash there. It's like if I give a dollar to the bank, I want my dollar back. Mm -hmm. They'll give me my dollar back. But if I give a dollar to the bank and I'll say, I want my dollar back, I says, okay, well, all we have is three cents of your dollar. The rest of it is gone. Uh, so here's three cents back. Well, where's the rest of it? Uh, well, it, it is uh, unsecured. We have no way to give that back to you. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding. And that's a real simple, simplified view, but maybe that's a good place to start. Yes. So it's also a good place to start talking about the exchanges and how this works with the exchanges. So Bitfinex is an exchange, and they're one of the older exchanges, and they're the owners of Tether. It's the same company, more or less. Um, CoffeeZilla's point was that when Bitfinex got itself into financial trouble, it used Tether to bail it out. And then BitConnect was using a, I mean, Bitfinex was using a firm called Crypto Capital out of Panama to bank some of its clients' currency holdings. Uh, and they got raided by the feds and all the accounts got frozen. So Bitfinex was up a creek and they used Tether to bail out Bitfinex. And so it's sort of they're, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and they're sort of keeping this ship afloat. And yet, uh, here's my concern about it. It's fine while the price of Bitcoin is going up and while people are seeing it as a viable investment. It may not be fine if there's a bear market. If there's a downturn and there's a lot of sellers and they all demand their dollars, 
the dollars aren't all there. That's the issue. So, you know, if and and another issue is because of the size of Tether, it's not just Bitfinex that would crash. I was reading some other articles, and this may or may not be true because I haven't verified it myself. But Binance, which is another large exchange, they're holding 17 billion in Tether. So that may be, and I can't confirm this or deny this, it could be one of the companies that's writing an IOU and using it to establish liquidity on their platform. But I think that because of the pervasiveness of Tether, a lot of these exchanges may be vulnerable to a call on Tether, a run on the bank, essentially, and it could crash a lot of the existing crypto market. Now, would it crash Bitcoin and Ether and the, the big boys altogether? Probably not, but it would probably uh, cause some pain among investors. It would change the prices significantly. The prices would just go crazy. So let me understand this. So it's kind of like if you wrote a check uh, for $100 to uh, a company, mm -hmm. and they're going to go cash that check. But then you said, oh, I don't have $100 in the bank. I need to cover that. So you come to me and say, could I have $100? And I say, yes. I'll give you a hundred of my dollars. And you say, oh, good. Now I have a hundred dollars to cover that check. Okay. And then you say, uh, but then you wrote another check for a hundred. Can I have another hundred? And I say, yes, but I don't have a hundred, but I'll give you an IOU. So then you say, I have an IOU to cover that second hundred dollar check. And so really there is no money. Yeah, it's I'll, just IOUs. There's Is some money. Much what, there's some money. There's some, but there's not enough to cover everything. Yes. Is and, that the idea? And the assertion that that a tether is worth a dollar is it used to be backed by we have a bank account that has the exact amount of dollars as we've minted tethers. Now it appears the assertion that it's worth a dollar is because we say so. Right. Um that's that's the real issue. I think that's a that's a good example. I think I want to show you another example. Good, good. Okay, this is my impression of what Tether is all about. Hold on, I'm very slow today because I have an issue with my hand. I am uh, in pain. That's why I'm. Oh. If, if I seem slow, I have a. Uh, Go ahead. You know, I just want to tell the tell listeners this this is an awesome, awesome video. We were talking about this. This is so spot on. Okay, this is essentially think of <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This I I'm presenting this without comment, actually. So uh, we'll just watch okay. it. Okay. And I'll say this has to relate to Tether in some way. Now would you like to buy some itchy and scratchy money? What's that? Well, it's money that's made just for the park. It works just like regular money, but it's, uh, fun. Do it, Dad. Well, okay, if it's fun, let's see, uh, I'll take $1,100 worth. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. He walks in, for those of who are listening. Oh, yes. 
He bought eleven hundred dollars worth of. Uh, he takes U.S. dollars, <laughs> and he buys eleven hundred dollars worth of itchy and scratchy dollars. He walks into the park, and nobody takes it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So all of that money, nobody's going to take that itchy and scratchy dollars. Yes, and prior to. Um, the New York Attorney General or New York District Attorney, one of the two, um, reporting their findings and saying that, you know, Tether's not backed. Even prior to that, there were some issues with Tether because they said they reserve the right to delay um, paying you out your dollars when you try to redeem your Tethers or not redeem them at all. And so it was sort of like that video where he buys the 1100 itchy and scratchy dollars and he goes to use them and he can't use them. He can't no one will take them. Nobody will take them. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it's, it's so clear, so clear that this is what's actually happening to Homer. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is this, what's ha- is this what is potentially happening to people who own millions and billions of dollars of tether? Yeah. Um... And I guess the issue is that it is the biggest sort of source of liquidity in the crypto markets. That's why it's so widely traded. And the fascinating thing is the crypto markets have generated a lot of value. And yet the way that they've generated that the mechanism by which they've generated that is not particularly run by scrupulous people or is not necessarily run by scrupulous people. So if you take a look at the Federal Reserve Board, and people in crypto love to denigrate the Federal Reserve Board and say they're a private company, they're opaque, uh, their leadership structure is confusing. But if you look at the heads of the Federal Reserve Banks and then the people that are on the board of directors, they're PhDs in economics. They're people that sort of understand how monetary supplies work. Now, if you look at the board of directors of Tether, which is sort of like the Federal Reserve for crypto, I don't think that they have the same level of prestige as the Federal Reserve Board of Directors. Uh, would you agree? There was a young kid in the video. I wish I could have written down his name. Things sort of, I injured my hand, and I'm just out of sorts today. But um, do you know who I'm talking about? Who gave his yes, do- I, dossier on the Tether crew? Yeah, I think his name was Bennett something. Yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can look it up. It 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 was It was great. It was really good. And... He he named the names. He was writing a book on Tether, and he actually identified this person, this person, this person, this person, and uh, their background. Mm-hmm. And uh, the background was very, very interesting because uh, it was not the same level of expertise and knowledge and experience within the currency market as far as uh, dealing with currency on a national basis was concerned is more or less dealing with it on a more uh, questionable <laughs> uh, a questionable manner uh, between entities. Is that a fair way to say it, David? Yeah, yeah and also the uh, there are some unsavory aspects to the backstories of the Tether team that the investigative reporter uh, shared with CoffeeZilla. Right. Now, I want to say, like people, they do, crypto people do not like the Federal Reserve. They think it's, you know, archaic and opaque. 
and it controls our lives without with very little input from us. Now, I would say if you have a significant portion of your a net worth invested in crypto, the same could be said for Tether. And I think that the issue with Tether is that a lot of the liquidity of the market is centralized in one entity. And that entity is not really governed by the decentralized rules that something like Bitcoin is. Here he is, Bennett. His name was Bennett Tomlin. And he, was, he calls himself a fraud investigator. Hmm. And uh, and he did a lot of work. Yeah. It looks like he had a lot of, lot of, of course, it was just what he said. I'm not sure what his references were or how he, he uh, documented what he said. But what he said was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Pretty much what you were just saying. So, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, people don't like the Federal Reserve because it's a centralized source of control of U.S. dollars through open market operations. But at least open market operations can be understood. You know, if the Federal Reserve wants to target lower interest rates, they will buy treasury securities on the open market, thus expanding the money supply. When the money supply expands, interest rates go down because supply is greater. Now, if the Federal Reserve wants to raise interest rates, they'll sell treasury securities um, to take those dollars out of the monetary system and sort of constrict the money supply. That, that constriction of the money supply will cause interest rates to go up. Now, that explanation is how the Federal Reserve targets interest rates. So when they say we're going to target a 0.25 rate increase, you know what they're doing to get there across the board. Um, if you tried to get a similar explanation of what Tether's doing and how it's justifying the fact that it started the year with 20 billion Tether, and now here by July there's over 60 billion Tether in existence, you would not get that clear cut of an explanation, I don't believe. That's correct. One thing about the Federal Reserve is they are within a system. Uh, the system does have checks and balances, uh, and they do have uh, goals that are monitored, that are reviewed, uh, and there's turnover. Uh, and it's a much broader uh, view. Uh, uh, and they are, they're not, they're not transparent, but they are uh, uh, checked and they mm -hmm. are monitored. Uh, but when you look at Tether, uh, it is not, it is internally uh, managed uh, and there is, their system is just local. Uh, it's huge. Uh, a lot of depends on it, but it's managed internally. It's managed locally. And there's no, and what is their goal? Mm -hmm. uh, is their goal just internal goals? And is their goals monitored? Is it viewed by uh, outside agencies? that connect with other, with, with the health of the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying they are or they not, I'm just saying, does it look like they do, but uh, or do they? Yeah, I mean, I guess my issue is this, and I have this issue around a lot of crypto things that you can tell me that it's a scam and not convince me, or I can take a look at it and I'll think it's a scam, but maybe it's not. But for instance, when I was talking about how the Federal Reserve expands and constricts the money supply, I understand the mechanism by which they do that, and I understand what they're trying to achieve when they decide to do that. 
I don't understand how you could go from 20 billion tether to 62 billion tether in six months and have a justification for that. I mean, I would be happy to hear one, but when I heard it, I think I would either be confused or skeptical of why it went from 20 billion to 62 billion in six months. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, one word. Why? Yeah. Uh, yeah given it, and I, I haven't heard it. Yeah, you know, I don't. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's embedded. But, but uh, maybe it's my lack of knowledge in the area. But I haven't heard an answer to the simple word "why." Mm-hmm. And or how or how 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 do you increase it and how do you justify that? Yeah. What's the mechanism by which it's increased? Is there, um, I guess someone just writing them a, a $5 billion IOU and then they just mint $5 billion in new tether? Is that what's happened? I, I just, I'm skeptical of the mechanism by which they expand the supply of tether. And no one's cashed out. Like it doesn't, the supply of tether doesn't typically go down. I, I find that difficult to believe as well. Well, when they say it's a one-to-one, one dollar, one tether, you know, mm-hmm. and they talk about 64 million or yeah, over 64 million uh, tether, uh, but then the pie chart had 3.8 some million uh, dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess it, uh, it's not my area of expertise, but if you have 64 million tether and it's one to one dollars and you have three million dollars that doesn't add up to me no it doesn't three three percent three percent not a hundred percent i think when we were looking at that last night we looked at the (laughs) three percent so tether shouldn't be worth a dollar it should be worth three cents yeah and then coffeezilla immediately said after that because we paused the video to discuss it it's like, so even though Tether's one to one, it's really 0.3 to one in terms of its cash reserves. 0.03 to one. 0.03 to one, yeah. yeah. And also in the bar chart, they had the, what, two thirds, two thirds of their reserves was uh, the, uh, well, um, a majority, I can't remember all the percentages, but a majority of it was, uh, what they all, what they say, commercial notes? Commercial, commercial paper. Commercial paper, and I go, mm-hmm. what is that? That's unsecured, unsecured paper. And it says, uh, that sounds like a, a Bitcoin, because it's not backed by anything. It's not backed by anything. There's no backing. And then I said, but tether, tether was backed by a dollar, but now it's backed by commercial paper. Just, just paper. Now you could say that Bitcoin's not backed by anything, and that's a very good point. I was thinking that exact thing. And yet, to create a new Bitcoin, mining operations have to occur, and the mining operations support the blockchain. And the blockchain is what gives value. Well, that and everyone agreeing that the Bitcoins have value is what gives them value. And yet there is nothing backing Bitcoin. There's not a bunch of gold bars and a safe somewhere that are equal to the amount of Bitcoin that are in the world. Um, And yet there's a mechanism by which new Bitcoin are created. And that mechanism is the hashing function and the mining that was laid out in Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper. And that facilitates the blockchain and the blockchain agrees on transactions. So there's a mechanism that's laid out and it's functioning as intended. Now, the difference with Tether is 
you I mean, you're not going to see a billion new Bitcoins created in, in a week, but you will see a billion new Tether created in a week. And so, yes, it's not backed by anything, but also it doesn't seem to be any central authority about how many can be minted in the process by which they are minted. Um, so if I could mint, you know, I, I could say, oh, I, I'm going to make Dave coin and I'm going to peg it to the dollar. So one Dave coin is worth a dollar. And then I'm going to mint a billion Dave coin and then put it into my bank account. Like, as long as people agree that it's worth a dollar, that's fine. But if people say, whoa, whoa, where'd that billion come from? They start asking questions, then the whole game falls apart. And I think that's the scary thing. And uh, I'd like to say this about CoffeeZilla. He's barking up some trees of some powerful, powerful people that have amassed some significant wealth. Um, now, I personally don't know whether or not Tether is in a bad way financially or whether its future is in doubt because of sort of unscrupulous dealings or minting um, coins that aren't really backed by sufficient investments. But that was definitely what he's implying in his video. And that's it's, it's fascinating because I believe that it is a, uh, a dangerous thing, a dangerous path to tread down. Don't you believe that? Uh, I absolutely do. Uh, and I think that uh, the danger uh, treading down that path is that you're, you're touching areas that you know not of. Mm -hmm. You don't know how deep or broad or extensive the connections are. They could be financial connections. They could be international connections. They could be political connections. They could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. Criminal connections. I, they could, well, they could be criminal connections. Uh, but the, the Bennett Tomlin pointed out that there was a whole array of people all over the place with all different kind of backgrounds that are involved in this. Mm -hmm. And when you have that many people involved, and there's no real, con there's no real seemingly seeming control. Uh, and you have billions and billions of dollars seemingly uh, being managed, moved, uh, you're going to have some challenges in there. You've got to be careful. Uh, and also you have to have protections. Uh, you, have to, you have to be careful. Yes. And a lot of people mentioned his video, you know, watch out, bro. You know, you're, you're, you're moving into some dangerous ground and you're, you're touching some powerful people, mm -hmm. powerful powerful organizations even and also you know if if videos like this move the needle to the point where there is a crash in the crypto market people could blame him for losing their life savings coffeezilla and said if he would have just left well enough alone this liquidity thing wouldn't have crashed my accounts so it's his fault that my accounts got crashed not you know the organization whose you know path to liquidity wasn't backed so i sure sure and it's very likely because if 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 that accusation uh, arises, it's him against the industry. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? Yeah. <laughs> so, but 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 he's brave. I mean, we do. That's one thing about today. Uh, people can say things and ask questions, and and I don't want to blame or I don't want to accuse. But I think that people should talk listen, understand what other people are trying to say, and there should be an open dialogue on what's mm -hmm. happening. And I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to hear, 
Tether's perspective on this. And that was one thing. He did have um, individuals from Tether and sound bites of theirs, but he didn't really interview anyone from Tether. And I'm sure that, I'm, I'm not sure that he reached out, but I would imagine that if he did reach out, they would have denied his request for an interview. So we didn't actually get to hear Tether's side of the story. But they have 13 employees, and he made this point in the video, 62 billion in assets. That's 5 billion in assets under management per employee. That's pretty remarkable, if you ask me. Um, and so a lot of the stuff in the video was very eye-opening. It's somewhat concerning for the average investor in crypto. And I think one of the lessons that you can take is if you use any exchange that uses Tether as a liquidity on-ramp, I think it may be a good idea to not store your assets in exchange wallets, to sort of move them away from the exchange and store them in your own wallets, if that, if that makes sense to any crypto investors out there. That would be a just, and I think that's best practices regardless of whether Tether was a thing or not. Well, when you when you when you mentioned that uh, five million dollars per employee, uh, yeah, five billion, five billion, five billion dollars per employee. Uh, the first thing I thought of is, why are they still working there? Take their five billion and run. <laughs> yeah. If you had five billion, it says, oh, here, do all this work for me. Uh, by the way. I'm paying you five billion dollars. Uh, well, thank you. I, I don't want to work here anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't take that. I mean, five billion is a lot of money. But that's why are they still working there? That's but other other people's money, though. That's true, but is it liquid? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But if my point is, if it is liquid, they do have access to five billion true U.S. dollars. Why are they still there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, what person in their right mind would stay working for this company if they can take five billion U.S. dollars liquid currency disposable income and leave the company? Mm -hmm. uh, who wouldn't do that? People will people do all kinds of things for one billion dollars, mm -hmm. let alone five. So to me, that just I thought, well, wait a minute. Yeah, you can make that that statistic. But think about the implications that these people still working there. Mm -hmm. So from what they say, that implication doesn't have logical consequences to it. In other words, if that's real money, they would be there. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. So, uh, But it's also uh, like if you're a teller at a bank and some guy comes in with $100,000 in cash, that goes into the vault. Just because you're an employee at the bank doesn't mean you get to take that $100,000. That's true. That's true. Um, so uh, maybe I misunderstood when they said $5 billion. The total assets of Tether nominally on paper or that they say is six, $62 billion and there's 13 employees. That means that $5 billion per employee, like, you know, at banks, it's nowhere near that. At the biggest banks in the world that handle the biggest businesses in the world, it's nowhere near that. Yeah, I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. So it's not that they have that money but if they have that much money that they're managing mm -hmm. uh i don't know that just causes a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of thinking about uh what those 
13 employees could do. Mm -hmm. So I want to just go back, and I know that I don't, I mean, people might be uh, bored by the fact that I'm mentioning the Federal Reserve again, but the Federal Reserve is the monetary supply. They do monetary policy. They provide liquidity in the U.S. economy and to a large extent the world economy because the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Now, when I explained how they uh, target interest rates by expanding and constricting the money supply, I was able to explain that, and I understand how that works. Now, this is sort of getting off the topic of Tether, but with so many crypto ICOs, in initial coin offerings, they'll say, we have an idea, and I'll read the white paper, and I don't understand how or why it's a good idea. And there's a lot of jargon thrown around, a lot of buzzwords. And I'll say, okay, I'm reading the buzzwords, but I don't understand why it's a good idea. And I think that there's two possibilities. Well, there's more than two possibilities, but there's two possibilities I can think of. I don't get it, and I'm too dull and too slow, or it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think those two are those are the two most probable possibilities, don't you think? Well, yeah, probable, yes. The last one's most likely. So, I mean, it's all very confusing because it's, I mean, I think of Tether as the itchy and scratchy bucks <laughs> of, of crypto. <laughs> and at some day, at some point in time, I'm sure that merchants took itchy and scratchy dollars. But someday they may not. And so you'll be stuck holding all the itchy and scratchy dollars like Homer and everywhere you go, they say, oh, we don't, we won't cash out itchy and scratchy. We won't accept itchy and scratchy dollars in exchange for um, our, our services or our goods. And I think that day may be coming. I don't know. Well, from what I understood from the, from the video is that uh, all it takes is one action, and that is everybody who has a tether wants their money back. Mm-hmm. That's all that needs to happen, and when that one one thing happens, they can't do it. They they can't give them. They they can give three million, they can't give sixty four million. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Yeah, the markets crash, or they crash, they crash. Well, the the, uh, the crypto markets crash. Yes, and so I will say, you know, the Tether management team that was exposed by Bennett Tomlin and the. Tether as a whole, which CoffeeZilla did an expose on, it wasn't painted very flatteringly. Now, you also have, I would say the two, because Tether is one of the top three most traded, and you have the two big boys in crypto, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I wish I had the quote pulled up, it's hard for me to type right now with my hand, so, but Vitalik Buterin, the founder and sort of brains in large part behind the Ethereum Foundation, I believe he called, and I'm paraphrasing, he called Tether a ticking time bomb. And so the Ethereum Foundation has sort of set up the mechanism by which things like Tether could exist, you know, tokenization, being able to have these smart contracts and do this stuff. And um, they're only as good as however scrupulous the people that run them are. Now that's the big one. The Ethereum Foundation, I think that Vitalik Buterin is concerned. Now let's look at the biggest one, Bitcoin. The fascinating thing about Bitcoin is that it truly is decentralized and Satoshi Nakamoto isn't in the picture. 
and no one's making decisions. It's just running in accordance with its white paper. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things to me is the biggest, the biggest entity in the crypto space is running on the concept established by its founder who's no longer involved. And so they haven't been caught with their hand in the cookie jar because they couldn't, uh, they couldn't be caught with their hand in the cookie jar because the guy's not there to change the rules. The guy's not there to move the goalposts. So the goalposts stay the same. And I think that inspires trust in Bitcoin more than other crypto investments. Well put. That's a very good perspective, David. I like that. Well, to change the subject a little bit on the video, mm -hmm. and maybe this is off track. If it is, we'll get back on track. But when I watched the video, it was hard for me to follow, partially because this is not my area, and it was hard to say exchanges backed in this and this. And uh, I kind of understood it, but I'm, I, it was slow. But one thing that was very distracting was all of his, his clips that he brings in that were on minor points, not major points, that uh, he brought in, uh, like your clip on the, the itchy and scratchy bucks. Mm -hmm. That was the main point, and that was, that was reasonable, and it was value-added to our podcast here. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that he brought in, he would make a comment, and he'd bring in a, a visual, uh, some kind of a... Uh, either a picture or some type of a video and it was a minor comment and you shifted to to that SpongeBob and Patrick talking and I says what does that have to do with the whole topic it doesn't mm -hmm. it has to do with a comment he made and so his his and also the uh, the the robot thing says why am I listening to a robot uh, that didn't connect it with me after we got into it, I realized what he was trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it could have been, would have been much more effective with the subject matter that he was dealing with is just to say it because you get your people into the mindset and then you move in that mindset. When you shift to a robot or shift to a different view, you're taking your mind away from that. It was minor issues. And maybe that's just me. I think it is just you, but I do think that you have a point in that the video was... Um, difficult to understand because it's the combination of two very distinct subcultures. One is the subculture of YouTube. Now, a YouTube video will be inherently edited differently than a report on Bloomberg or than a report on CNBC. Now, this guy's discussing some financial issues, but he's making it in the YouTube style. Now, reports on crypto, I think they're always confusing to me because I've studied finance and Sometimes there will be terminology and words and uh, terms of art that I don't know because they've made. So it's in the sub community, the sub um, genre of crypto finance, not just traditional finance. So with CoffeeZilla's video, I think what you're seeing is it was difficult to follow because you're getting into the nooks and crannies of two separate sub communities the YouTube editing sub-community and the jargon-laden crypto sub-community. Of course, he did a good job explaining like FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and how people will just dismiss this as FUD. But uh, there's a lot of jargon in the crypto community that I often, um, it goes over my head. I think that's a very good way. I, I agree with you, David. 
I agree. That's a good way to explain it. Uh, and uh, I can see why it was hard for me to follow because I kept shifting gears to this visual, this, because a lot of times YouTube uh, is, well, exactly what you said. I, I was getting ready to say what you just said. And I think that's why it was hard for me to follow. And I think because I was shifting gears, keep I, shifting gears. Well, I think CoffeeZilla also, you have to sort of add slick editing and cultural references into your videos to differentiate yourself from everyone else that's sort of just sitting in a room like me talking about crypto into a microphone. You know, he doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to create some sort of persona that people will return to that sort of differentiates himself from the pack. And of course, he could do that with just good reporting, but I think it's easier to have a little bit of style, too. Well, my thinking on, I agree with that. And I agree with what he, what he did. And I think what he was doing is correct. What you're saying is right. Uh, however, if you're going to use those things, if you use those devices, use them on major points not minor comments mm -hmm. and i think to me that that's like when you look at a lot of his uh, uh animation it was on a comment he made uh well it's kind of like oh yeah like a a phrase or or some perspective and and you you have that says oh well how does that apply to cryptocurrency oh oh well you have to go through about three or four things before you get there. And so it wasn't directly related to what he was saying. It was tangential for those people in that area who really understand it. Yeah, see, and I, I, and it's not me. I haven't watched a lot of his videos, but I saw some of those things as channel lore. So across your videos, maybe the robot is a recurring character or the flying Lamborghini that was animated was a recurring character. And people say, oh, that's the guy that talks about crypto like yeah him and everybody else like that's what we're doing this morning we're talking about crypto and it's like yeah but he's got a robot and a flying lamborghini as well like, oh really let me check it out and so if he you know uses that to build a brand the coffeezilla brand is the brand with the robot and the flying lamborghini and the, the green screen studio with all the stuff in the background i think that i it's all just sort of uh tools by which he can sort of look different than other people on the same platform talking about the same stuff I see that. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still distracting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still distracting. But it makes sense. It makes sense. He's he's creating a creating an image, uh, a hook. Uh, that's who he is. You know? mm -hmm. And at 618,000 yeah. views, I do feel like uh, he's probably brought more attention to this than most people. Yeah, I I want to believe that he's the six hundred eighteen thousand views, is because of the detail he went into, mm -hmm. and he did have references. He did uh, uh, cite different things and uh, different people, different organizations, different uh, manuscripts. Uh, he did cite a lot, and uh, so that was good. I'm I'm hoping that the uh, uh, over six hundred thousand views that he got was because. Uh, he's telling uh, details. He's uh, he's uh, giving a lot of information, uh, and also tying it into uh, the people that are saying it. Sorry, I think my kitty cat's running around. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Oh well. Huh. 
Yeah, she that's her for sure. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so I want to say we can't verify any of this. We're just going on what we've heard Copyzilla say. Um, we don't know, but if you watch the video for yourself, you'll uh, sort of understand what he's saying. It's a great video, and it was fun to talk about. Um, I do think as the crypto market matures, the mechanisms, the liquidity mechanisms, they won't be so concentrated, and they'll probably be a bit more regulated. People will care about, um, you know, due diligence and reporting and compliance more than they do now. Mm -hmm. So that's just my that's my parting thought. Also, I learned a lot. Um, sort of learned about, you know, these stable coins, how uh, you can nominally be a stable coin, but their stability is only backed in insofar as they remain stable. And that's not necessarily <laughs> a 100% uh, guarantee, if that makes sense. That's the takeaway from the video. I think that he did a good job. I thought that his investigator, Bennett Tomlin, did a good job sort of digging up dirt on all the principles. And it was a fascinating video. And I would recommend anyone watch it if they're interested in this space. I think, I think it was an education for me. Uh, I did enjoy it. It was challenging. And uh, I thought, this is very, very interesting. And I, I thought the same thing you thought at the end, like, uh, you know, I, I I would like to hear the other side, mm -hmm. what the other side has to say about it, too. Uh, he did have clips, but it was clips. It wasn't an interview. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like to hear I like to hear all sides uh, because it's a fascinating thing and it's real and and I don't think it's going to go away. This kind of thing, this concept, um, the concept is going to continue to grow and it's going to be maturing. Uh, there probably will be regulation, but it's not going away. I think everyone really should know as much about it as we can because mm -hmm. it's going to affect our lives. Yeah, it will. I think it'll affect not just the crypto markets. It may affect, uh, affect if this is on the scale that he says, uh, it could affect the broader financial markets because a lot of people are staked <laughs> in crypto these days. Right. And if we don't pay attention to it and if we let it go unregulated, it may infect too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> infect may be a, a better word than affect. But anyway, uh, I, I think, I think uh, it's a good thing to talk about and I'm glad we talked about it today. Yeah. I don't know if we'll continue down the uh, the crypto sort of unsavory side path this week. I don't know if that's what we want to do. But tune back in on Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, for the podcast, we're available on YouTube, Amazon, uh, Google, and Stitcher. And wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm sorry if I'm a little out of sorts today. I am in a quite a bit of pain with my uh, wrist injury. So I've, I've tried my best. I hope I sort of was able to soldier through. I will uh, see you guys in the next one. Is there anything you'd like to say as we leave? Yeah, thank you, David, for this podcast because you do a great job. And I think you did a good job today, even in your pain. Uh, and here this in our podcast, we uh, uh, want to encourage everyone to keep on talking. Uh, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what everybody is saying. Bye.